My name is Tim. I'm Dante. And I'm Murphy Durfee. And this is Go Mode, a link to the past randomizer podcast. So, guys, I uh, I decided to get a SNES with quote unquote extra RAM, as someone said a while back, which is a joke. But <laughs> I I uh, I had to be cool like Andy. I got me a SNES Junior. SNES Junior. Man, first you steal his sprite, and now you're using his console. It's, and now next man. time I beat him, he we he just can't use his console for a week. <laughs> uh, so so uh, what is an SNES Junior? Because I know there's an SNES Classic, which looks like a tiny SNES, but that is not what you're talking about. Yeah, so uh, just like real quick, I guess this is more like a little bit educational. So I learned that there are two types of Super Nintendos, and I don't just mean the Junior. I mean like the actual board. Um, there are the two-chip graphics processor ones, which is like the vast majority of what people have, uh, except like enthusiasts or something. And... Uh, they they kind of have like a blurry effect because I, I had noticed that my SNES like um you know like compared to Andy's was very washed out so I had DM'd him and asked a question like hey you know what are your OBS filters if you're using them and he just said well I've got the SNES Junior which is the one chip so he like gave me just enough info for me to go Google and I found out that there's a one chip SNES that was like one of the last revisions they made uh, it uses like a different chipset. And basically, it's a little more crisp, but the SNES Junior doesn't have RGB enabled by default. So you can't use like an HD retrovision cable. You have to get it modded. So Voltar makes a really cool uh, RGB board that you can get put in, and uh, it makes it look pretty crisp. So I'm, uh, I'm doing that because I'm bored and need something else to do. I'm trying to find things to play do with Rando and, uh, you know... Not enter the tournament because uh, standard sucks. So that's that, that's my project is just uh, improve my stream quality for all three people. All right. So real quick, are you saying you're not going to do the tournament? I probably will. I'm just I'm looking for a, I'm looking for like <laughs> I was a, about to say. Come on. I'm dude. looking for a reason Obviously. to not like stand standard hard mode is just it's standard. If it was just open just, hard mode, I think I would have so much more fun. And for you to not enter a tournament would be pretty notable. Come on, people have shunned standard for so long. It's got to be at least somewhat fresh again, right? At least for well, the first, like, four qualifiers or something. I mean, I played one, and I was like, well, uh, that was exactly as I remembered it. Uh, looking for bombs. and <laughs> Good old escape. And, yeah, it's like, all right, well, that, that's, that's a thing. But I've gotten really... Uh, spoiled by casual boots in that regard like if i'm gonna do standard i want my boots now at this point yeah we're all babies now we want boots and i'm a big baby i want my boots too i'm right there with you (laughs) so to get back to the snes jr and i I promise i really don't want to start like a a huge conversation around this but like i have really crisp uh video uh whenever i play and it's because i play with an emulator and it's just very easy it just hooks up right to my computer what is it about playing on a console that makes you want to go so far out of your way to be able to get the optimal visual quality so the timing's technically different on a console uh or like a super nt the uh they both you can run at like a normal clock speed which is like 60 i want to say it's 60.011 I may not be exactly right on that, but it's like 60.011 FPS. 
whereas if you're playing on emulator, it runs at, you know, a 59.94, a.k.a. 60 FPS exactly, uh, uh, frames per second or whatever. Um, so technically you're bleeding time the entire time. Uh, consoles. You know, now that you mention it, I think Wayne did say that when we had him. Yeah, on yeah, the show. and people also yeah. very often cite that there's uh, no input lag, or you know, yes, you just, that too. The the difference between playing on emulator and console isn't really obvious unless you start playing on console and then go back to emulator after quite some time, and you'll just notice that things are ever so slightly off, but off enough to really you know mess with your game basically. That's fair. A lot of it's timing. It's just like, for instance, uh, this is like my one notable example. In 2018, when I first started, I learned spin speed. And then, you know, I I was trying to do it on emulator and I was super inconsistent. But I had a 1.0 cartridge that I put in my SNES and played. And I was like, wow, spin speed's like super easy on this. Plus, there was just like many other things that I remember doing as a kid. And I guess I could say I was older and I was less practiced, but like execution things I could do as a kid and I could just never time it right. It was like I was hitting the buttons too fast or something, or at least that's what it felt like for, you know, for emulator. And then as soon as I went back to console, like those problems went away. And that's, that's just my personal taste. Uh, when Dancy first mentioned he wanted to get an SNES junior, I looked it up because I also had never heard of it. And apparently it was never released outside of the U S uh, it was in Japan. They had a super Famicom oh, okay. junior, but but so, Europe never got it. Europe got shafted, basically. U.S. and Japan yeah. only. Yeah, the one chip stuff, like, to, to put a hedge on that real quick, in case people were like, do what now? Uh, it's just, there are fat Super Nintendos, like the originals, that are one chip, but there's no indicators really on the outside of them that tell that. You have to open it up and actually physically look at the board, like, serial number on, like, the inside. So, mm. but every single SNES Junior that was ever made is guaranteed to be a one chip. So the graphics are like a little better. Gotcha. Are those newer ones or older ones? That newer are the one chip. They're newer. Gotcha. It was like they made them. I think it was like the last year of production. Like there's there's very few of them in like comparison to how many two chip ones there are. Yeah. Very I'll give you a link to put in the description so people can look. Yes. Please do. You read my mind, sir. Um, well, I guess let's go ahead and get into news. Um, we don't have too much to talk about, but uh, a little bit of everything, I would say. A little bit of tournament, a little bit of update. Um, and let's start off with uh, what we're calling our headliner this week. Um, two new glitches have been discovered and reviewed or, or are being reviewed by Racing Council now. Um, Dante has kind of written up a, a little kind of explainer on these. Dante, go ahead and take it away. Tell us about these two new glitches. All right. Well, I'm already going to shoot you down because... We're not reviewing them. We did it. It's over. Uh, <laughs> oh, nice. All right. That's fine. So, Armos Shake Storage boomer- and Boomerange is legal. I don't know why there's three O's in it. We didn't make the name. I hate that name. It should just be Boomerange <laughs> with two O's. But uh, I mean, extending the vowels, like who does that, right? Are they saying boo or are they saying boo-earns? <laughs> <laughs> So Armo Shake Storage, uh, it's basically a way to sh- like store a screen shake uh, where it's like a bonk in a way. And what that'll do is allow you to not have boots and open up, say, Lumberjack Tree or King King's Tomb, something along those lines. But it's so niche, and we- we've said this before, but uh, you-, you would have to like basically 
save and quit after the the red Armos Knight in GT, or you would have to leave the Eastern fight. Actually, that the Eastern fight wouldn't even work because you have to save and quit and then land on the pyramid. So if you haven't killed Aga, this doesn't work. Any single transition in the underworld or the dungeons completely negates it. It's it's going to be the something that's probably never used in our lifetime. If it is, I'll be very surprised. And Whew. that's uh that's kind of the story that 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 yeah. you know. Um, boomerang, uh, I, like again, I don't know why it's got three O's, but you use the hook shot and the red boomerang kind of in tandem. You throw the red boom, and I don't know the specific timing because I haven't learned it, but uh, you use the hook shot. And some people have done this in GT on complete accident, uh, like hmm. in the uh, south room, I guess, before the portal on the left side, where you're throwing a boomerang and then trying to quickly use the hook shot to go through the pegs when you change the switch. Uh, if you time it right, the boomerang or the red one will just continue to go off screen. Like it just extends its range even further where it doesn't stop at the end of the screen. And when this happens, you can use this in mire. And I think that's only the really good use in the, the, the room right before Viddy if you don't have spooky. And uh, you can trigger the switch. Like you'll, it'll go through the, the, I guess, like stone square where the stairs are. So it's mm-hmm. a... Uh, you know, and that's how you could use it. But that's interesting. Those are the two glitches. I, you know, Boomerang will be used much more than Armos. I feel like, but neither one will be a massive, massive time save, in my opinion. Yeah, the Armos one is that's disappointing because you hear that it lets you check some checks early that you couldn't normally, and it's like, oh wow, that that could open a new meta. But that is such a you niche have to be in situation in which. Yeah, like the the situations in which you could use it are, are are almost nil. Like you say, I will be extremely impressed if somebody does happen to bust it out in competitive play, but uh, definitely not hold my breath for that. Boomerang sounds in theory like it could potentially be used for a little bit more gain, you know, in in the meta. What do you guys think? I'm wondering. Maybe you can tell me this, Dante. But does it work through? like screen transition so what i'm wondering is the room where you normally no. use spooky for the first time could you hit that switch with the boomerang as well from down below uh you're talking about like uh not like the, the first dark room one, but the second the... one that's got the anti-fairies not the spike yes. going back and forth so i think exactly. you can use it in the spike room because it's one super tile but you it doesn't go across the screen transition from what i understand so you okay. wouldn't be able to use that. Plus, like it, ha- it would have to be thrown. Well, it could be thrown at an angle. But yeah, I, it 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 isn't used for that. The two examples that um, I think it was Structural Mike posted in the disc in the main Discord were uh, those two spots in Meyer, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. So like rooms one and three that you would normally spooky, and you know sometimes one is optional depending on you know how the switch is when you enter the room. But yeah, um, yeah. Sadly, it doesn't go through transitions because then then things would get really hairy, I think. Yeah. And you've added another note here in our outline about uh, the way that bylaws have been amended. Yeah, this is uh, probably being announced soon after we record, but it's going to be announced before this comes out. So this is totally safe to talk about. But we, we had a little bit of, uh, I guess, uh, ambiguity as to what a you know like how abstaining from voting worked so the way 
some people assumed it was if you abstained, then it had to still be 67% of, say, you know, all 17 members. But then by abstaining, it's basically a no. Like it auto, it auto puts your vote as a no. So what we're clarifying here with this, and this passed like unanimously with, you know, 17 to 0, uh, was that if you abstain, it removes you from the vote tabulation. So if two people abstained, then we would need, the way I'm reading it, and P-Train's probably going to yell at me if I get this wrong, uh, <laughs> but uh, it would be like if two people abstained, then 15 out of 15 people, we would need 67% for it to pass, you know, if it's a, if it's a two-thirds type deal. So that's where we're at with that. Yeah, that sounds to me like it makes a lot of sense. If you're abstaining, you don't want to be automatically counted as a no because that's, as you've written here, that is not what abstaining means. <laughs> right. And, and some, like, like I, when we were talking about how we wanted to do this and, like, make sure we were doing it correct, I guess, it, it got a little, I don't know, I guess over serious for me because I was, like, reading about vote abstentions and stuff like that. And then... I'm like reading all of these different like United States like local state laws <laughs> about how abstaining votes work and I was like this is Incredible. too much like oh, this is not <laughs> what we're trying to do here like we're we're getting too stupid I think <laughs> I love it Um awesome all right well uh moving on there was a new hot fix released for the randomizer this is V31.0.8 so, uh, gentlemen, let's go ahead and open the updates page. Can you throw I have that looked link at this. into the host channel for me? Yeah, Because yeah, I'm a lazy gotcha. man. Yeah, no problem. Same. There you go. You are the best. <laughs> um, so I've looked sprites. over this already. And, uh, yeah, okay, well, we got some new sprites as always. Don't worry, we'll get to that. The changes, I don't think there's anything too exciting or interesting. Just, like, you know, general, like, quality of life, you know, small small changes there was some text added for ganon and blind and uncle we look forward to maybe seeing those cycle through a um, couple entrance randomizer fixes what do you guys you guys see anything in here worth shouting out uh no. we got more text for ganon blind and uncle i you know we we always need more of that and uh, the entrance randomizer fixing unwinnable scenarios and in inverted entrance i think is a really good thing just because you never want a seed to be unwinnable. So this is this I is why the, we have people play things. The yeah. two things that seem most interesting to me personally is uh, the price drop sequence is now resetting on a save and quit, which was apparently not the case beforehand. So um, now it'll start from zero or one or whatever you want to call it again once you save and quit instead of just continuing where you were at in the price pick yeah sequence so that's a good one and uh i suppose all starting equipment now showing on the new file creation screen is also very helpful because if you're playing something where you're where you haven't selected your own starting equipment you have no idea until you get into the game and then you gotta open the menu and check everything out and stuff and now you just immediately see oh all right i'm starting with a sword or boots or a hookshot or whatever it may be yeah yeah, I guess I just assumed that worked. So, I mean, it's good to hear that it's fixed, and, and that is the case. Uh, apparently, some of the items that share a slot would not appear until after the first save and quit, mm -hmm. and that's what's been that's what's been corrected. Um, is it time to dig into these sprites? 
I think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so let's see. We got we do have some good. There's a Lionel in here that's pretty pretty sick actually. Um, the uh, Troll Dorm is here, the or Think Dorm, I should say. Yeah, that's that's a uh, thinker there. Yeah, that's good. Um, there's like a real pale boy in here. He doesn't have very like defined outlines. It's kind of interesting. I like that white there's, mage. There's a Santa hat link. Like he's just. It's Link, but he has a red hat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing may- maybe, and I honestly don't remember, even though I played a lot of it, maybe uh, the last advent calendar, like that was the sprite. And it they were like, not. oh, we made this if you want to just throw it in. Could be. Yeah. I'm personally, I said this in our Discord, but I'm personally very happy that they finally added a Steven Seagal and a Conan O'Brien sprite. <laughs> yeah. There's a goatee gentleman in here that does definitely look very Se- Seagal-esque, I must say. Who's um, the guy next like, to Steven Seagal? That's got to be a player or some YouTube personality yeah, or something, right? It it's like a Hawaiian shirt and a red beard. Yeah, it se- seems like a maybe like a Twitch personality or something. Yeah, that's possible. Maybe maybe we can get some <laughs> clarification for Tuesday Temp here in a bit, and we'll we'll make sure we let everybody know exactly who that is. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if there's time. If there's time, I might edit that in. Hey y'all, it's Tuesday Tempt, Tuesday Tempt, Tuesday Tempt, Tuesday Tempt. I feel like I haven't talked to y'all in a while. So I'm cutting in here to clarify the Twitch personality associated with the sprite we just highlighted. And I really didn't think I was going to take the time to edit something in. But then I learned that the person in question is Quadbanger. And I gotta give it up for Quadbanger. He has a very fun stream, plays rando, plays a bunch of different stuff. And I'd recommend checking it out, so link in the description. And while I'm here, I realized after we recorded that we neglected to mention that the main tournament qualifiers begin this Sunday, March 21st, and run for three weeks. I'll put a link in the description for that, too, so you can get all the details and figure out which ones you're going to do and all that. And if you're just watching, I'm pretty sure most of these are going to be restreamed in various places, probably like Speed Gaming and others, so be on the lookout for that. All right. It was good talking to you again. Tuesday temp out. Cool. Any final thoughts? V31.0.8. When is 32 coming out? Uh, uh, well, ask Vitor. When it's, it's done. Gonna, yeah, that's that's uh, that's the word. When when it's done. I mean, here's the thing. This is a, a full logic rewrite. It's written into a different style of code. It is going to take a while. So... You know, there's probably going to be bugs. There's going to be some probably, I'm assuming all this, extensive beta testing. I I wouldn't expect to see it, like, anytime super soon, Tim. I hate hate to be sad, like, make you sad, but it's probably just going to be these minor updates for quite some time right now. Okay. Well, it's not like I need anything. You know, I'm perfectly happy with the version that we have. You don't don't want graph logic? I don't even know what that is, so (laughs) it's fine. Uh, okay, let's. Uh, we've we've got some community tournaments. We just want to do a quick uh, check into these. Most notably is the German tournament, which is indeed over, as we uh, hypothesized that it might be at this point. It has finished, and uh, huge congratulations, GGs, to Thelane for taking it in game three against Dracarys. Thelane, way to go! So yeah, uh, as predicted by my co-host, very very well done. Or. I know you've argued that maybe it wasn't a prediction, but I think I think it's safe to say it was a prediction, and it was also who you wanted to win. So yeah, okay, um, I'll, I'll I'll take that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so, uh, we we all checked out game three, uh, and uh, it was it was a good game, and 
yeah, that's I'm really not even sure what else to say except, you know, congrats to Philane and, and thanks to the community for putting on a great tournament. Herf, do you want to maybe leave us with some parting words on this tournament? Ja, klar. Also, wie gesagt, uh, ich habe mir das Spiel live und direkt angeguckt. Uh, ich hätte wirklich nicht gedacht, dass Talane das noch rausholt am Ende. Es sah lange Zeit so aus, als würde Drake Harris gewinnen. Uh, er war ziemlich weit vorne. Aber ja, der große Unterschied war einfach ein kleiner Schlüssel in Pot. Hätte ich nicht gedacht. Er hat ihn vorne verwendet. Er hätte ihn hinten verwenden müssen. Da wäre sein Ice Rod gewesen. Und er ging dann auf eine sehr lange Suche nach dem Ice Rod, die äh, Talane wirklich die Möglichkeit gegeben hat, ihn wieder einzuholen. Und er hat es am Schluss wirklich noch rausgeholt. Hat mich persönlich sehr gefreut. Natürlich nichts gegen Drakaris, ein sehr guter Spieler. Und äh, als letztes möchte ich noch einen großen Shoutout an Schmidti geben. Schmidti, tut mir leid, dass ich immer alle als Clown Rod bezeichnet habe. Aber es ist, was es ist. I heard Clown Route in there and I lost it. I heard it. Clown Route too, yeah. <laughs> I gave a shout out to Schmidty and apologize for calling everyone a Clown Router all the time, but it is what okay. it is. I just heard, Incredible. all I heard was like German words, Clown Route and Ice Rod, and I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we know he's on topic for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's like, th those are words yeah. that, that we yeah, know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, again, uh, congrats to that community and thanks for putting on a great show. Uh, Goon Tournament, just a quick check-in on this. Uh, as I said, I'm out. But Dante, you are in this thing in the upper bracket. How's it going? Uh, I'm in finals playing against the Boulder 300. Our first game mm. Sunday. It'll be done by the time this comes out. But we're going to do basically max minimizer settings, cross keys, vanilla swords, and see how that turns out. Uh, we vanilla haven't, swords? Haven't figured just out wanna, how yeah. game two is going to be. I just want to quickly mention that once again, Dante has been denied his beloved swordless. I was. I asked for swordless and max minimizer settings, and Boulder was like, I'm just going to say hard no to uh, swordless. And I was like, well, I'm going to cry. But He okay. knows you. Yeah. He knows your strengths, you know. Your swordless strengths. It's been a minute. Um, well, con uh, good luck, I guess, or congratulations, nah, whatever. It's, it's, a, it's a good luck. We're playing max minimizer. <laughs> it's like good luck. Brick wall health, yeah. so it's going to be a, a bad day. Gonna be very interesting for sure. Yeah, and then yeah, uh, you've you've uh, provided a quick dip into what's going on with uh, PogChamp Mystery uh, Tournament here, season six. Oh yeah, so Kyung is in grand finals with Airy uh, or Airy Roar. Uh, Kyung coming from the winner side uh, and Airy from the loser side. Airy took uh, the match against Ak Suckadak, uh, so he's third place. And uh, Kyung and Ari are going to, I guess, duke it out here probably in the next week or so for uh, first place. We'll see how that goes. Did Ak the Boker change his name to Suck It Ak? <laughs> no, just Suck It Ak. Is is, are you telling me that's a different person? It's no. not a different person. He just needs to suck it. That's all we're saying. Yeah, Ak, yeah Suck It Ak. Like, he got okay. third. I see. Gotcha, gotcha. And also one um, important thing I want to quickly mention is it has been renamed to Mystery the Championship uh, oh, due right, to right, all right. the crap that was happening with the PogChamp <laughs> guy. Yeah, very unfortunate that everyone got really used to using that phrase and then the guy who originated the phrase turned it out to be kind of a piece of shit. And uh, so yeah. yeah, now we got to figure out different names for all the things. So Watch your No profanity. association. <laughs> hey, I will bleep it, okay? Don't you worry about me. I'm, I'm just giving myself the work. When I use a curse word, it's me deciding not only do I want to say it, but I'm willing to take the time to edit it out later as well. 
So just know that that's how much weight it carries. <laughs> All right. Uh, GMP community updates. Let's get into it. So we don't really have uh, anything up top. Grudge matches are still going really well. I did want to give a quick shout out to Sineath, who has been restreaming uh, all of them so far. So we really appreciate your services there. And um, we'll put a link to where you can see the schedule and also sign up for them. Uh, but they're still going strong. So check them out. Uh, let's just go right into the BWS now. That's really kind of just the main thing we need to figure out. So um, the last time we did uh, casual boots, just kind of for fun. And this time, Dante, you had a suggestion for something we can do that kind of goes along with the theme of this episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was wondering what that was for like a hot half second there. I was kind of taken <laughs> back. So we're going to just do open 7-7. Seven, seven, but uh, screw you guys. We're going to do expert functionality. So <laughs> basically, uh, your magic's going to drain stupid fast. And yeah. Uh, the silvers may not. The silvers will exist, but they may not work until Ganon. They may not work at all. I legit don't know. I don't play expert functionality because it's bad, but uh, we want to make sure people have to uh, manage their magic. So therefore, here we go. Uh, this is what we're gonna do. I'm gonna in. Uh, well, you know, I thought about this. Uh, it may not be quick swappable. So rip you guys. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Ooh, that's mean in a couple of ways yeah. instead of just the one way. Well, get get wrecked. This is what's happening. Uh, it's the, I mean, uh, okay. you, you should be totally fine unless you you know okay. are used to having four bottles of blue goo just to complete Ice Palace. Uh, and if that's you, that's totally fine. Just a warning: like four blue goos does not go as far as it does in normal so or normal functionality. So we're uh, just all be, right. Well, we gave him a, we gave him a casual boots last time. Yeah. So it's, this is, you know, we're just, the pendulum is swinging back the other way now. All right. Okay. Yeah, I'm good with it. Uh, with that, I think it's time to get into our feature. You guys ready? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Here we go. All right. So the episode today uh, kind of came about as I was playing uh, a seed not too long ago in which um, I got to a point where I realized I had no magic and I was like, oh, this is no problem. I've been playing this game for like, you know, three years now. I can I can get this magic refilled. Lickety split. I know exactly what to do. And I realized that I, in fact, did not know <laughs> exactly what to do. I was just running around without magic. I don't remember what I ended up doing. But I was just like, I, I don't even know what my options are right now. And that feels like a real problem to me. So I thought it would be helpful not only for myself to do the research, but also to present it here on the show, just diving in and talking about magic. Um, we're going to break down the you know, point values that are used kind of behind the scenes that you don't see and that just visual meter. We're going to talk about the best ways to just generally find magic throughout the game. And then we're going to go through some specific situations where you can kind of get, you know, uh, blocked by not having magic and common solutions to make sure that before you get to that point, you do have a little bit of magic. So uh, I do want to, before we even get this started, I want to give a huge thank you to both of my co-hosts for allowing me to do this episode. <laughs> You as a listener, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you probably noticed we've kind of gotten away from episodes like this one in favor of more conversational, general kind of topics. 
but I still really love these deep dives. And, and I suspect that for our newer listeners, they do too. And honestly, we've kind of run out of topics. This is sort of one of the last ones in my mind that we can dive into because we've kind of done everything else about this game. So I'm really looking forward to kind of just presenting everything that I've written here and certainly from getting some input from you guys and learning stuff that I didn't even know while while researching this episode. And uh, yeah, I, I appreciate you guys coming along on this journey with me to talk about magic in A Link to the Past. So are, we, are we ready it. to do it? I wouldn't miss it for anything. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, so here are the basics. So uh, first of all, I want to shout out, there's a Game Facts guide that we used, um, you know, just like we did with our uh, weapons and attack, uh, you know, uh, episodes that we did, that goes into a little bit more detail about specifics here. So we'll link that in the description. But according to this guide, at least, uh, you have 128 magic points to start in your regular magic bar. And there are... Um, there are seven items in the game that use magic. Um, the ones that are most expensive are the medallions. Those cost 32 m- magic points each, which is essentially a fourth of your magic Ooh, bar. That's another way to think a, about that's it. That's a lot. Yeah. It's steep, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Next are fire rods and ice rods. Those cost 16 magic points per use. Basically, you have eight shots of a full magic bar. I think a lot of us are very familiar with that concept because you know if you've ever gotten to the end of Ice Palace and you've faced down Cold Stair... You have to have a full magic if you're going to use the fire rod uh, if you don't have a magic or a master sword, which we'll talk a little bit about that later. But you have to have your full magic and you can shoot eight times and then you're out of magic and Cold Stair fight actually begins. So I think most of us know that. Uh, Magic Cape has no initial cost when you first use it, but it does drain 16 magic points per second. Um, So... Uh, that is kind of the next most expensive. Cane of Burner costs 16 magic points when you first use it, and then it drains. We, How much did we decide that this drains? I don't. I think you had found something, Herf, yeah, in the channel. Yeah, uh, it's a little bit confusing how it's, uh, how it's presented. I'll just read it out, and then we can try to break it down and make it less confusing. Okay. So what this says is 16 MP to activate. We've already got that. Then it does 4 MP every 24th frame. Obviously, the game runs at 60 frames per second, so that's a little, you know, wishy-washy how to get it together. Uh, I'd say, I don't know what that translates to into, you know, how much it takes per second. I have to get out my trusty calculator. (laughs) Uh, See what we do for you listeners? We're doing math on on the air. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's pretty easy. Uh, It takes 10 MP every second, apparently. Hmm. Because so, it's, if you if you if I did this correctly, if I do sixty frames per second divided by twenty four, that's uh, two point five, and that times the four MP every four, uh, every twenty fourth frame, means ten MP per second. Yeah, I think that's right. Don't, never do math live, so <laughs> I might be wrong, but I think that's right. <laughs> Yeah, you know what this is basically is like two functions uh, between the magic cape and the cane of Berna. If you imagine, you know, one of them is just a slope, the magic cape, because there's no initial cost and it uses 16, mes- uh, you know, magic points per second. And then there's cane of Berna, which starts at 16 MP when you first use it, but is a more shallow slope going up. So the takeaway to me is if you have both of them and you want to decide which one to use to not 
uh, spend a lot of magic, it's actually going to depend on the amount of time that you need to use it for. If it's a short amount of time, then you want to use the magic cape so that you can avoid having to use that initial spend, which is actually pretty expensive. And if it's a longer time, then you definitely want to use the cane of burner because that drains much slower and it ends up being a lot more economical over a longer period of time. What I've read earlier, and take this with a grain of salt, but someone here says, uh, if you're just using the item for the invincibility, uh, use the magic cape if you only need it for three seconds or fewer, and three cane seconds. of burner for anything that goes longer than three seconds. Okay, so that's the point where those two functions intersect, basically, is at the three-second mark. Yeah. Perfect. Cool. Uh, so moving on in the uh, magic usage, uh, magic powder and cane of Samaria are next. They each cost, cost eight magic points per use or 16 on a regular magic bar. And by the way, breaking the cane block from the cane of Samaria is free. That doesn't cost anything. Um, and then the lantern costs four MP, um, or I guess you can do uh, 32 of those with a full magic bar. So you get a lot of, of lantern uses. Um, it's, it's the least expensive thing to use for magic in the game. Now, of course, you also have half magic floating around in most game modes. Uh, basically, what that does is exactly what it sounds like. It just halves the cost, uh, the usage amount for all of these items. Uh, and you'll notice, you'll have noticed that all of the numbers that we just said are multiples of four. So it ends up being really easy to do that math where you could use eight fire rod shots before. If you have half magic, now you can use 16. Another thing I think is interesting to mention right here is there is a direct correlation between the magic meter and the amount of pixels that it moves down it does directly correlate with the number amount uh with you know to a certain point i should say the problem is you know obviously there's not 128 pixels in there so it has to do a little bit of rounding i know for me sometimes like if you're getting low on magic and you need to light some torches you'll be like ooh do I have enough magic to do this i'm not exactly sure like it looks like i might but I'm, i i can't quite tell um, and if you actually look, I think it's like every two pixels is like every eight MP or something like that. And I, I'm not saying that's exactly it, but just, you know, try, try to look next time you're playing it and, and, you know, you're doing something you don't really have to focus on. If you're using your magic, you can definitely see that direct correlation and start to get more and more comfortable with exactly where that meter is and, and what, how, you know, the number amount that that means of MP that you have. Any thoughts on that uh, beyond just kind of my general be on the lookout for it? I honestly uh -huh. was surprised uh, at this whole half magic halves the cost. I thought it just doubled your magic meter, if I'm being honest. It's an interesting Me way. Too. It's an interesting way to code it, I think, where, you know, it's uh, it just halves the cost rather than doubles your magic. I think it kind of makes I, I sense if you think about it from like a programmer standpoint. I'm I have no idea about the code behind all this, so I'm just using guesswork here. But if your magic bar takes up 128 bytes, let's say you know every MP you have in your magic bar takes up one byte, uh, you can't just extend that because the thing is crammed full of stuff already. And if you extend uh, it, you get yeah. into the memory range of something else. And then everything gets really screwed up. We all know what messing with the memory of Link to the Past does to the game. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. you can't point. just extend the magic bar. So the next easiest thing to do is just half the cost of everything that uses magic and you won't mess with any memory values. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Explain that way. It makes a lot of sense to us. 
I agree with you, Dante. I thought it was that way, um, and that it would just like double the amount of magic that you have essentially to handle that. Um, but you know, it's also compressed into that bar, so I guess it yeah. is more accurate to say half. And then the other thing is there is a quarter magic. It's coded into the game, but it's not used in vanilla. And the devs of ALTTPR essentially kind of found that and decided to make it available. So I, I think in easy mode and maybe a couple other modes, I'm not sure, there is actually a quarter magic you can find that's uh, progressive, just like, you know, the sword or whatever. Uh, and it does exactly that. It quarters the amount of usage. So that at that point, using the lantern costs one MP and you have 128 MP in your bar. Um, so it kind of works that way. Uh, again, quarter magic probably not going to show up in most modes that you play, but it is uh, not a lot of people know. You know, it's from the original game. It's actually hard coded in there, which is sort of neat. Um, the last thing I wanted to mention is uh, small magic pouch. When you pick that up, obviously that's going to give you a little bit of magic back. That gives you 16 MP, or in other words, the amount of one fire rod shot. And of course, then you have the big magic faces. Those will just completely fill your magic. Uh, you know, no matter how much you have, whether it's almost full or completely empty. Um, and then you can also drink green and blue potions, um, but I may be getting a little bit ahead of myself here. So let's uh, let's move on to our next section here, which are ways to get magic. And this is kind of speaking generally. We're not talking about hard-coded you know, pots that are in strategic places that you need to know about. We'll get to that in a moment. This is more about just like, I would say like beginning of the game early kind of stuff. Um, so I want to pass it over to you guys actually to uh, kind of head this section up. Adanti, I know in our chats, Earlier this week, you were talking about stun prizes and making sure that you're kind of aware of what's dropping when. Um, so go ahead, if you would, take over here and tell us about ways to get magic. Um, yes. Wait, tell us about ways to get magic. <laughs> <laughs> Bad ending. Sorry. Yeah, so, no, you're good. So, like, I don't know. There's, I like how you've got here, uh, get an, a magic using item in your weapon as escape uh, or in escape. So that that applies, just so we're clear here. That applies only to standard mode where the rain state thing happens and the uncle has a random weapon. That's, uh, you know, if uncle gives you the cane in open mode, he's not going to give you a whole meter of magic too. So that's a, uh, a thing to keep in mind. You know, early game, uh, and even late game in a pinch, you know, if you've got a boomerang, you've got a hook shot and you're playing normal, make sure that uh, you check your stun prize because sometimes you can get either a small or a full magic drop. And, uh, you know, if you do, then that's uh, super, super useful because uh, you, you may need it in a pinch. There's, uh, you know, you check your tree pulls, check your bush crabs. Uh, they may have a ton of things you need. They could be useless like hearts. That's That's another problem. So every time that you stun an enemy, they give you the same thing. Yes, that's that's random per seed, but correct. Yes. Like it'll 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 be consistent whether it's the boomerang it's or the hookshot stun. It's gonna be that. I want to say the ice rod stun yields a different prize if you freeze them and then hammer them to destroy them. I could be mm. wrong on that, but I want to say those are different. It's not something I really rely on a lot because usually I'm looking magic if I do that. To be honest, or bombs. And sure. I'm not going to use an ice rod shot for that most times. Um, the tree pulls basically are consistent as well. Your tier one, your tier two, and your tier three. Uh, we've talked about how to get those on the podcast before, but um, kill one, kill zero enemies, kill one enemy, kill four or more, right? 
I want to say two is weirder than that. It's more of more of like a kill three and take one hit of damage. Uh, uh, the last two only differentiate between each other if you've taken damage or not, basically. Yeah. Gotcha. So um, those are going to always be consistent as well. And if you're like, hey, it's not consistent, I guarantee you did it wrong. That That's what I tell. <laughs> that's literally what I tell myself whenever I get a wrong prize pack. I'm like, well, you know, like if I'm expecting something, so I go kill some enemies and come back and then I get something crappy. I'm like, yeah, I, I guess I did this wrong. That's just my whole take on it. Um, yeah, obviously, you know, another way to get magic, uh, the witch's hut, it's always there. Uh, you know, it's consistent pricing. There's no price fluctuation. Uh, you don't have to worry about her charging you 999 rupees for a green <laughs> goo. It's going to be 60 all the time. Uh, every day, all day, every day. No market day. inflation or yeah. anything like that. Yeah. Crazy witch no. blowout right here. <clears throat> It might seem obvious, but I feel like it's worth mentioning. You do need a bottle to put the green goo in. Mm. And oh, yeah. it's also not free like the heart refill that you can get from just uh, smooching the witch's assistant inside the shop. So you actually need to spend the money to buy the green goo and you need some place to put it. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Well spotted. Um, there's other ways to get some magic. Like uh, there are a few trees that we can bonk into i know the most notable one that's easy to get to is the tree above the kakariko dark world portal if you have boots and you can bonk into that tree it will always yield a full magic refill so if you're running out of magic or you have none and you're about to head into that portal you've got boots uh, it might actually benefit you to go ahead and bonk into that and you know grab that big old thing of magic um and you know lastly i guess you could you know, beat a dungeon. If I don't know if you, I would do this just for magic, but when you complete <laughs> yeah. a dungeon, you get a full health refill and a magic refill. Obviously, saving and quitting negates the health refill, but that magic refill will be consistent and stay full until you start using it. Um, so the reason I added that, you know, kill a boss to get magic thing, Dante, is I wanted to ask you, and Herf as well, have you ever been in a situation where you have said, okay, I'm going to get a magic refill after I kill this enemy, so I'm going to do them to benefit from that magic refill. Like, do you think that's ever happened in your play before? That was so. You're saying literally the reason I beat like a pendant boss was because I wanted a magic refill. For instance, I think uh, I, I could probably think of other reasons, but let's start there. I've um, never done it for that specifically ever yeah i was gonna say not on purpose it might have ended up benefiting me like i'm in a dungeon i'm killing a boss i get a full magic refill and i'm like oh maybe i should do i don't know skull woods or uh, ice palace or something right now because i have the magic so it might influence my routing like that maybe but i've never purposely gone all right i'll go into this dungeon or i'll seek out specifically this or that and then you know I'll, I'll go yeah. do that. Yeah, I feel that. I think that's a really good way to put it. And I think that gets to what I think would be a really helpful thing to say to kind of cap up this whole section about filling up magic. If you get to a, se a, a part of the game and you realize you need magic and you don't have it, I'm sorry to say, but you sort of have already lost this battle. It's, you know, do whatever you can. We'll, we'll give you some situation and try to help you, you know, 
figure stuff like that out, out on the fly. But I think the most important thing about magic is thinking ahead to the situations where you will need magic and making sure that you have some plan to get it before you get there. Of course, things will come up. Sometimes you just have to use it and now you don't have it and you have to improvise and that's what will help with. But the the most important thing you can do for yourself is just think ahead to the situations that you're going into and make sure that you have a plan in advance. Yeah, absolutely. I do want to mention one more thing that we don't have on our list here. And sure. people yeah. generally think about this only for arrows, but if you do have the shovel, just going on a little digging <laughs> trip can net you some magic. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, on that note, you know, uh, slashing grass, picking up random bushes, you know, those sort of things can also killing enemies, just like not even thinking about the stun prize, but just killing them. Um, those can all yield magic as well. It's it's just kind of a random, random sort of occurrence, but definitely valid. Yeah. Um, and we, we also yeah. had some, Sorry, Maria, some Maria magic refill. That's, uh, you know, there's a link to the the wiki on how to do that. We'll 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 include that into the episode description for you guys, because uh, it's something that you could benefit by seeing more so than just hearing. Uh, but we we've I think we've talked about this before slightly, but it's done by just overloading you know the slots zero through four and with the Ancilla stuff we talked about. Yeah, we did talk about this on the Ancilla episode. Ancilla episode. And mm-hmm. then while it's overloaded, you can. Um, kind of spam your king of samaria and it causes the uh the magic meter to actually go up not down uh another useful trick here um and uh, without going into too much detail we could probably find uh an entry on this as well but there is that thing called the santa dash that we learned Mm. about around the christmas time uh you know in 2020 where you can underflow your magic and basically get a full refill with that cape and an anti-fairy type thing. Very niche. Don't really. I, I really don't think anyone's ever used that in a race to benefit them yet. So, but uh, that that is an option, I guess. That is very interesting. Yeah, I absolutely would have included that if I had remembered. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad you said something. That, we'll, see, this we'll is where find some, yeah. our most shake storage is going to be in like six months. Mm-hmm. Like no one's going to yeah. talk about it. So <laughs> it, it's one of those niche things. We'll just say do it and then no one will. And, and then life will go on. Absolutely. Um, well, thanks for the uh, chat. Yeah, we'll put something in the description if you're interested in learning more about that. Um, okay, let's talk a little bit about... So what I've done is I went through all of the dungeons in the game uh, to look at things that are under pots and also just kind of mentally think through the game and try to identify all of the situations where magic is critical and you need to have some sort of plan. So we want to help you put that plan together uh, before you get there or in some cases improvise on the fly and pick up the magic that you need while you're there. Um, so let's just start from the beginning. Um, the first one that kind of has any interesting thing to talk about is Hera Basement, and it's not even that interesting. I just wanted to quickly mention that that basement does have a full magic pot, uh, the basement with the torches that you have to light. So it's super convenient because you need magic to light those torches. And I think maybe if you're a newer player, you might get there and be like, oh, no. But no, it turns out there's a pot right there with full magic. So that's great. It's, um, it's you'll not notice super, there's a trend with that. It's not super accessible either because you have to go through tile room to get it. So just because you've lit, lit the torches maybe for like a required key or something uh, or an item and you want to come back in to get a full magic refill, you're going to have to go through tile room again. So just it's convenient when you're checking it. Just make sure you notate that's 
you know, the stipulation. There's a there's a big time investment there. Yeah, that's true. It's extremely situational. It's not something you can like use in a in a plan, you know, for something else like, oh, I need some magic. Where can I get some? Oh, I know hair basement. Like, no, do not do that. Terrible idea. Um, the next one, I did just want to say, uh, kind of for its lack of magic, I noticed that pod has no magic under pots. Uh, so pod, yeah. you know, it doesn't require magic per se, but it does have those dark rooms and there are a lot of great dark room strats that involve using magic. So I did just want to throw that out there that pod is not really going to give you any help unless you just get lucky with like random enemy drops and stun prizes and things when it comes to magic. So plan accordingly. Um, next one I wanted to say just real quick because of the popularity of Diver Down we have Swamp Palace I have been in a situation or it was either me or someone I was watching I honestly can't remember where they got to Swamp and realized they had no magic and they didn't know how to do the bomb setup Diver Down they only knew the cane and so they had to go around and do the long way um, because of that so I would hate for someone to be in that situation I did want to say there I just to check there is virtually no magic in Swamp I think there the only places that have magic are like so far out of the way that it's not helpful at all. Um, so I, I would, I think my takeaway here is to learn the bomb setup. That's what I do. I always just use the bomb setup. Sometimes that comes back and hurts you because it does take damage. And if you have low bombs, that can be tough. But um, yeah, just to say, if you are super reliant on that cane of Samaria setup for diver down, just make sure you have a little magic. And if you don't, you're going to have to improvise a little bit. Um, so that's that's my mm-hmm. screed on Swamp and Diver Down and King. Mm-hmm. All right, so Skull Woods. This is obviously a bit of a more magic-heavy dungeon, and you definitely, as I was saying before, you want to have a plan with your magic uh, before you come here. Like you need to you need to have it full or know where you're going to get it or or whatever. Um, if you need magic to complete the back of Skull Woods, there is a full magic refill in middle of Skull Woods. Uh, if you bomb. Uh, or if you go through the Cane of Samaria door there uh, to where the vanilla big key is to the right there, there's a wall you can bomb and there's a full magic in there. Um, that's really helpful if you've died to Mothula and you need a little help to take a second stab at her. Uh, you can get the magic that's in Middle Skull Woods or if you need it on the way there for the first time, it's there for you. Um, now, uh, oh, one thing I did want to mention is, especially if you're doing that, uh, you know, get a magic refill and then go back and kill Mothula. Remember, you can use the Wallmaster to help you warp back to the, uh, the door that you were at before. Um, it's much faster than walking mm-hmm. back there. So just keep that in mind. Um, let's see. Now you can walk to the back with zero magic, as long as you know where all the small magic pot locations are. There's two in that pit room where the pits switch, and there's two in that torch room. So if you have the lantern and zero magic, theoretically you can walk in and still be able to get through this magic, uh, you know, limit, this essential barrier. Uh, you know, you'll have the magic needed to light these torches. Assuming um, you've opened the back of Skullwoods with your fire rod already. Yeah. True. Yeah. That's true. And, you know, you'll probably need the fire rod for that fourth torch unless you're playing like a weird entrance or door rando or something. Um, But, yeah, technically you can do it. I'm just saying it's going to be tough. And it's also going to matter a lot how comfortable you are with Mothula, because if you're uncomfortable, you probably want a lot of magic to use that fire rod as much as possible because it is very strong and it keeps you far away. Uh, But, you know, if you're comfortable enough, you technically don't need any magic. You could do it with a master sword if you're you know enough of a boss. Uh, you know, hammer is great for, for Mothula as well. So, um, yeah, just to say I, the, your comfortability with that boss might change 
how you feel about your magic preparedness going in and just keep that in mind. Um, Dante, did you want to, I left an opportunity here to talk about this torch room because I've seen you do it and your movement's super clean in here. And there's a lot of different ways to do it. And I think the different ways you do it kind of depend on your magic situation and a lot of, and a lot of, you know, seeds. I mean, so do you have any thoughts on the torch room execution? Um, I, I guess when we talked about this initially, I wasn't a host, uh, but you know, my, my thought is there's only two pots of magic in there. You're going to, if you, if you want to kill every Gibdo, you're going to use a, you know, over half your fire rod, just doing that with the torches, if not all of it. So if you're trying to conserve that, obviously lighting torches with lamp can be good. If you're in a lower percent situation, honestly, my whole take is if you've got fire rod, I mean, obviously you have to have that in a normal open seven, seven. Um, I said if, because I've been playing cross keys. So like, uh, if you've got like tempered and uh, even master sword and like a decent chunk of health, then I, I don't really worry about magic too much. And you know, you don't have to pick up both pots to light the two like left and right torches. You can just pick up the bottom one, which I think is part of the NMG route and just, you know, light the right and the left and then move on upward to the North one. There's, you know, it, it really just, I know you hate this temp. It depends. Like, it just <laughs> depends on your situation uh, and, you know, your execution ability as well. So it's just a call you have to make uh, at that given point in time. So, it, you know, a lot of times in rando, I'll, I'll do it exactly the same because maybe I'm in go mode or maybe I just have a ton of offensive power and defensive power. So I'm not too worried about a mall fight. Yeah, I think there's a, a spectrum of ways to do it. There's a fire rod version where you are like, uh, what are those things? You're, you you like have like a flamethrower and you're just like mowing down every single Gimdo. You're hitting all of the torches with the fire rod. You don't give a crap about your magic usage versus you've got like 8 MP right now and you're not feeling great about your equipment with Mothula and you you know, zigzag around all these Gibdos and light all of them with the torch until you do the fire, the final one with the fire rod. And mm-hmm. then, you know, so there's like a, a low magic and a high magic kind of way to do it. And I think if you want to be able to take advantage of that low magic version, you need to be very comfortable with moving around those Gibdos and not taking a bunch of damage. Agreed. Cool. All right. Ice Palace, obviously magic hugely important here as well. You can't even do the cold stair fight without uh, a, a certain degree of magic, um, either Bombos or Fire Rod shots. So you have to have a plan before you come in here when it comes to your magic. Uh, even just if you want to do Icebreaker just to like, you know, get into the bottom of the dungeon, of course, you have to be able to, uh, you know, use the cane right there. And it doesn't cost very much, but if it, you're someone that takes a few attempts and you're super low on your magic, let's say you just did Magic Bat, you know, for instance, you just drained your magic so you could do Fake Powder. Uh, now you have zero magic. That's not a great time to immediately come to Ice Palace right after that. Uh, You're not going to get very far unless you can magically make the freezer disappear. Exactly. Yeah. Even the freezer. Yeah. Right off the bat, you're checked on your magic. So there's there's no way that you're you're going to be able to do anything with zero magic here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did notice when I was going through the maps and putting all this together that you can uh, technically, you know, if if say you get to the bottom uh, or you're going through ice palace normally the ice palace bomb jump way there is enough uh magic that you pick up throughout there's like eight different magic uh refills that you can pick up that will get you to full by the time you get to the end but um 
again, I, I really would advise against that. It, it's going to be better to either bring a potion or, you know, if you really want to take a look at the map and try to memorize where those are. I just don't think it's that helpful for me to read out where they all are. Uh, if you want to know, you should look at it. And again, it's going to be better to, to have a plan coming into here. Um, now, there is one thing you can do when you get to Cold Stair if you're running uh, if you're running low on magic uh, to, to try to save some of the magic to use against Cold Stair when you're opening up the fight. Uh, so we've talked about this Master Sword Beam strat a few times uh, in a few different contexts, but basically just the idea is if you have full magic and uh, Master Sword Beams and full hearts to be able to, to use them, of course, uh, you can alternate quickly between Fire Rod shots and Master Sword Beams, and every other Master Sword Beam will count as a Fire Rod shot, so you only have to use four Fire Rod shots instead of eight. Um, so if you happen to have full magic when you get there, that that's helpful. Um uh, what you else can about also, Ice Palace? You can also do the same thing with the bow, but the timing is much tighter. Whoa, so, really? Yeah, it's basically any projectile. Um, you can shoot a fire rod shot and then shoot a bow shot. I think sometimes you actually have to hit the bow first or sh- like shoot the bow first because the fire mm-hmm. rod goes so quickly. But basically, it would be kind of like fire the bow pause switch to fire rod shoot the fire rod and then it's like boom boom and it counts as two so yeah it's the, it's something the about the go ahead sorry go ahead <laughs> i was just gonna say the timing's pretty tight it's not quite as bad as hammering ganon in a swordless seed uh, or hammering ganon just in general but it's it's pretty tight and probably not worth it like if you're really good feel free to do it or i would not spend any time practicing that yeah, it's one of those things like when I did it in the practice hack, it was like, oh, cool, you could do that. But I, I don't have it committed to memory where I could just bust it out. Like if I got in a situation and I'm fighting cold stare and I start running out of magic, I'm going to be like, well, YOLO, here we go. I'll try it. But uh, success is uh, to be determined. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. That's absolutely wild. It's interesting. Game's um, weird. So, yeah, just. Yeah, game is weird for sure. So yeah, again, just make sure you have a plan coming in um, and uh, yeah, you should be fine. Uh, Misery Mire, you don't technically need a ton of magic. You just need some to use your Samaria block. um, And, you know, I guess technically that's the only one that you straight up need. I would say with Misery Mire, Vitreus can be a very hard-hitting boss and very unpredictable uh, and magic is like a very helpful commodity to have, whether it's, you know, using your cape or your cane or um, I guess those are the main two. But Yeah, I think Misery yeah. Mire isn't really that much of a problem because before you need that Samaria block, you get a full magic refill in the pot to the left. So anything yes. that requires you to have magic, you would normally either already have it or it's a very small detour to just get a full refill anyways. Yeah. Very true. Yep. Awesome. And then Turtle Rock. This is the magic dungeon. That's like in the vanilla Links of the Past, the story, lore, whatever. Like it's called that. It's like the theme of the dungeon. Like ice is ice. I thought it was called Turtle Rock. Well, it is, but like it's, I I think that like teleportation or the telepathy tile says something about like this is the magic dungeon. I don't know. Don't quote me on that, but it is the magic dungeon. Just (laughs) I was going to say I was today years old when I learned that, but. Uh, if I can't quote you on it, then I don't know if I was today years old when I learned it. All right. I'll see if I can find some uh, corroborating evidence after after we're done with the recording. 
Um, well, the good news, though, about the Magic Dungeon is not only does it require you to use a lot of magic, but there's also a lot of magic refills just scattered all over the place in this dungeon. Um, there's one right at the very beginning in the left pot. Uh, there's one in the Fire Rod Torch Room. There's one in that first uh, Pipe Room, although that's not really usually worth collecting. Um, there's one right before the boss, which is absolutely essential in all, almost every playthrough. Um, and there's some other ones in out-of-the-way rooms, but those are pretty much the, the main ones that you're going to encounter. Um, sometimes you can get to a point where... Uh, this is act I only mention this. It sounds ridiculous, but it's happened to me several times where you run out of magic before you get to the dark room where you need to put that Samaria block down. And it's like, where is the next closest magic? Um, well, it turns out the next closest magic, if in case that happens to you, is in the uh, bottom left pot of the room with two pokies that's right before that, there is a magic there. Um, so that that helps you. Um, that was just really helpful for me to learn in, in researching this because, mm -hmm. like I said, that's happened to me a few times. Obviously, it's better to plan ahead. Um, all right, let's talk about Trinex a little bit. Because obviously, you straight up, it's just like Cold Steer, you straight up need magic in order to even fight against Trinex. So knowing how much magic you need going in, it actually depends on the sword or hammer, I guess in some cases, that you're going to be using because you have to use the fire or ice rod to stun them and then you can only get so many hits in before you have to do it again and you'll literally run out if you miss too many times and you're using like the master sword or something like that so um dante do you want to i would love to hear just kind of a general breakdown of your thought process when you're headed into trinex based on your magic and weapon level uh well Ideally, at minimum, you want a hammer. That if you if you got a hammer, like and you know I'm yeah. talking entrance. Uh, that I mean you're gonna have hammer, okay? So like in in open, yeah. Tim Tim tells me I always have to to think about open mode when I'm. We know <laughs> you don't have to. It's just it, the yeah. wide majority of our audience, right? Yeah. So with with open mode, you're obviously gonna have a hammer. So you're very, uh, you are you already have a option for tempered sword damage which is good because then it's like what five slashes per per noggin or whatever like the the ice noggin and the the fire noggin um mm -hmm. then <laughs> then you uh the like one thing i've done recently i did this for like fun in a way also i kind of had to for the race but um i didn't i had fighter sword and i had no hammer and i had half magic and a bunch of blue goos so we did fighter sword spins against Trinex. Don't don't do it. It takes ten years, <laughs> and uh, it actually wasn't even worth doing. I was really hoping the hammer was there. I wanted a good laugh, but it wasn't. Um, I think I got the hammer five minutes later, and I could have gone right back <laughs> and mm. done it. So it was it was actually kind of funny. But in any case, that that little sidetrack aside, uh, you know, if I've got master sword. Then the the prime the primary use in open mode is going to be hammer. If I've got tempered sword prime or or butter, the the primary is going to be the sword, just because that's the you know most efficient way of doing it. I guess is a way of putting it. That's that's my mm -hmm. take. I guess you know half magic obviously makes the fight a lot easier and gives oh, yeah. you more room for error. Yeah, yeah. I, I think love in general about that fight, you can just say. You really, really don't want to run out of magic in the middle of it because it feels awful and you'll have to come back here later and basically give up on the fight. Like, you might manage to kill one head, 
and then you're suddenly out of magic, and then what do you do? Then you're stuck. Well, here's the thing. If you just make a slight mistake, and let's say you have the mirror, if you took the safety door, just mirror, just hedge your bets, mirror, and run right back to the boss because Mm -hmm. you'll be able to get the full magic pot right before you head into Trinex and, you know, have have another go. But if you don't have mirror, then just... Run into the lad. He'll he'll kill you rather quickly if you hit that that main front head. Um, the shell does different damage to you than the the front head. So make sure you get you touch the front noggin. Mm-hmm. It's good to know. Yeah, you'll see people like just like quit out of this, and it seems like they were in the middle of the fight and everything was fine. You're like, what the heck was that? Your magic almost needs to be treated like another life bar in this fight because you literally there's nothing you can do if you run out of magic that you need to be able to stun these heads. So it really is absolutely essential that you know how much you're going to need and don't miss those shots. And like Dante said, if you if you lose, recognize that you've lost. And the faster that you warp back to that safety door that you hopefully took, the sooner you can try it again and just do your best to not get tilted. That's my best advice because <laughs> when you get in that Trinex, you know, cycle where you're just doing it over and over again, it can it can feel real bad. Um, just just keep your head on straight and and knock all three of Trinex's heads off. Not as bad as uh, running out of magic with Mothula, right? Or or dying to Mothula, right, Temp? That one's pretty bad too, and I know that from experience as well. Um, okay. Let lastly, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Ganon's Tower. Unfortunately, the magic situation is not quite as dire as it is in some of the other dungeons in the game. Uh, it mostly gives you the magic kind of right when you need it. The The two main thing, areas I can think of, and you guys feel free to chime in if, if uh, you can think of other areas that are important to shout out, but the first one is as you climb Ganon Tower uh, after you go through the big key door, uh, in the area with two fairies where you can kind of bonk and then uh, bomb the southern ledge and the room with all the cannonballs there Mm -hmm. is a full magic in that back pot uh so if you're going in there to get fairies or you know whatever and you have no magic you might want to just go ahead and take the extra second or two to pick that up and then the second and most important one is the one that is right uh before moldorm in the pre-moldorm room there is a full magic in the bottom right chest there and that's essential because it's going to give you your magic before you fight ganon um so you'll definitely want to pick that one up every time are there any other magic situations, refills, anything like that you guys can think of to keep in mind in Ganon's Tower? I mean, the it, only thing that comes to mind for me is the torch room, where you will definitely need some magic to light all the four torches before you can go up to the final level. Mm-hmm. So yeah, very you, true. You want to? Oh yeah, and, you and there's a full magic right that. there too. Oh yeah, and there's a magic, uh, a full magic there too in the laser eye room where the stairs are. You just need to really watch out if you want to pick that up to not despawn the rest of GT because the timing sometimes works out really nicely or badly if you want to look at it that way where (laughs) you go up there and pick up the full magic and you're like, all right, I'm ready to go. And then you step on those stairs at the exact same frame uh, as the torches go out and the door closes and suddenly your upper GTs despawn and you're kind of screwed. Yeah, that's bad. I've never had that happen to me. Another little thing to keep in mind, right after your Landmo fight, there's a a room with four pots, and that bottom right one has a a mini pot of magic. Um, And uh, those torture rooms, I think Herf may have mentioned this one, but I didn't hear the small pots. So in the cross torture room, before the the full magic, let's put it that way, uh, where the stairs are, 
Uh, mm-hmm. The in the cross, the one that you normally don't pick up, which is the bottom pot in that cross, because we usually shoot it from the, the far bottom, like at the door. Uh, that has a magic pot under it, as well as the pot right before the door on that southernmost walkway. Uh, so there's two small magic pots in there if, you know, we get into a really bad pinch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely good call. Uh, it, fortunately, there's a lot of magic in those rooms, but knowing the pots that have them and the pots that don't is is absolutely essential when you have to, you know, move so quickly on those those ledges to, to light yeah. those torches. So, yeah, good call. Cool. Okay, well, I think that is going to conclude our conversation on magic. Uh, as always, though, I want to give an opportunity here at the end. If you guys have any final thoughts just in general about things we maybe didn't touch on uh, when it comes to magic management in the randomizer. Uh, the, the, uh, like the, the main trick with managing consumables in ALTTPR is just don't mess up and then you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. I will say, yeah, we haven't talked much about like conservation, but I do think it's worth considering uh, you know, if you have a fire rod and you also have a bow, which of those you want to use in a given situation, given things that you might do afterwards? You know, for instance, if you know that an Armos fight is or you're thinking about Eastern, um, you don't really have to worry so much about your arrows because you're going to pick up a whole lot in there. So maybe it's OK to use your bow a little bit more. <laughs> Um, you know, same thing with magic, you know, if you're about to go to ice palace, maybe don't do fake powder right before that. Uh, so just kind of thinking ahead, like I was saying before, and also managing all of these levels and making sure that none of them get too low because if one of them gets to zero and suddenly you can't get past a certain point in the game, that's not a good situation to be in. Yeah. I would also say that's probably the the biggest takeaway you should get from this episode is that plan ahead you don't need to plan like four dungeons ahead or something crazy but just have in mind what you plan on doing next after whatever it is you're doing right now and see which resources you might need more do i need arrows do i need bombs do i need magic and then you know plan your usage around that in a way that it benefits you and doesn't end up screwing you over in some way totally it is so satisfying to take a death and then be like, oh, I'm so glad I picked up that fairy on the way, you know? And I think that that absolutely applies to magic as well, being like, oh, crap, I don't have any magic. Well, that's okay, because I anticipated this, and I have a green potion right here. You know, that's just so, like, it really makes me feel like I'm competent at this game when situations like that come up. And and the only way you can set yourself up for those situations is to plan ahead. So that's that's the moral of the story. All right. Well, thank you guys again. I really uh, enjoyed, you know, taking that dive there. And uh, let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. All right. So uh, as always, you can email us, email at gomodepodcast.com. Uh, we're on Twitter at gomodepodcast. And you can join our Discord to talk about the episodes. Um, you can see me playing Rando and writing music at twitch.tv slash timp underscore Dante, tell us your Twitch uh, and what's been going on with you on Twitch lately, because you've had some exciting stuff going on. So uh, twitch.tv slash Dante, three A's. I got to say it this time. I, I forgot how to say it, because um, Tim always <laughs> does it. Uh, I've been playing a lot of that Step Maniacs game that I've got recently, uh, as well as like Ladder whenever I can, but um, the new dance game or whatever, when I say Step Maniacs is what I'm referring to. So 
I've been uh, grinding that a good bit. I've, I guess this is kind of my shout out to, uh, I've been talking to a lot of folks, um, and I'm not really, I don't have high hopes for this. So let me, let me preface, let me preface that with like this whole, what I'm about to say with that. Um, we are going to, I'm going to get a couple of the devs of the game together and we're going to hopefully try and submit a GDQ showcase for the game. Mm. And uh, I figure if we're going to do it, this is our best chance to to do it because hopefully, you know, if, if life starts getting back to normal in the next six to eight months, then uh, I feel like we've been saying that for, you know, a year now, which we have. <laughs> yeah. um, but this is probably the last, hopefully the last like remote GDQ for quite some time. So if this is going to happen, I feel like it, this is it. But we'll uh, we'll see how things go. We've we're, we've got some ideas of how we want to, you know, structure the submission thing. I've gotten a lot of pointers from people who have done like rhythm game or just game showcases in general with GDQ. Uh, I guess I have to be maybe a little more personable while playing. Uh, if I can work mm. on that with myself, then maybe we've got a shot at it. That's the that's the goal. Is just I, I don't want it to be written off within five minutes of it being submitted. I, I'd like to have a shot at it. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna try. You don't you don't know if you can do something unless you try. So we'll just yeah. get out of our comfort zone and then do something stupid and see what happens. And then if if they take it in, then God knows I gotta step on arrows in front of a bunch of people so we'll, we'll see what happens hundreds of thousands <laughs> of people maybe. yeah whatever I, yeah. I mean chat will be moving so fast i won't even know what people are saying so <laughs> yeah. it won't matter <laughs> well that's awesome man congratulations good luck that's super cool yeah, yeah definitely there's no congrats there it's more of a good luck because i'm gonna need it like i said i, I really I would say congrats on taking the initiative you know like that's pretty that's pretty cool i just you're don't like stepping up uh, i don't feel that it's going to get accepted because uh, there's not a lot of really, really challenging content in the game as far as like physical content. It's hard to it's hard to describe or like portray the difficulty of timing uh, stuff like accurately than, uh, you know, like over like in a visualization versus like, uh, you know, just the physicality of something and how like fast you're moving. So we're going to have to find a balance of playing the hard stuff and stuff that you know, I can play well, that's hard. Um, mm-hmm. Recently, and this is probably why I think Tim brought like brought this, like my whole Twitch thing up, is that last night I did manage to finally pass the hardest song in the game, which was uh, a little bit of a journey. But Through the Fire and Flames? No, that's Guitar <laughs> <laughs> I'm just Dang so it. used to that being the hardest one in the game. It, it feels yeah. like that, just because, I mean, all the songs are only like a minute and a half long, so quote-unquote, how hard can they be? But my favorite point, I got to shout out Relkin here. Relkin was in that stream, and the song gets like super fast at the end. And then I just looking at the VOD, I see Relkin say, uh, this looks hard. (laughs) I was like, that's because it is. Where's the lie? Yeah. (laughs) Like, it's definitely hard. So, uh, but yeah, like I said, we'll just see what happens with it and, uh, wish me luck, we'll say. Incredible. Yeah, we definitely will. Herf, what about you? What do you got going on? Um, yeah, my my Twitch is twitch.tv slash herfydurfy. Uh, I've been thinking about streaming what I will be talking about in a second here, to be honest. So um, lately, I've, I've always been a massive FPS fan. I used to play uh, Quake 1 and Quake 2 and Quake 3 competitively. Oh, man. And 
I just love FPS games. And lately I've been on a real uh, retro FPS kick again, or boomer shooters as they're called now. I've never heard that! <laughs> I love that! You've never heard that? They're called boomer shooters, yeah. It's really good. It, it's a perfect description, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so uh, I want to shout out uh, one, a Medieval, which is a really great retro FPS. Uh, it's just a lot of fun jumping around, you know, a quick movement... Uh, hard enemies, lots of gore and blood, lots of shooting. It's it's really awesome. And the other game I want to quickly shout out is called Ultra Kill. Uh, it's currently in early access, and I'm just going to talk about the premise of the game and not what the game actually is, so people can check it out themselves. But basically, uh, mankind has been eradicated, and the world is full of robots, and their fuel is blood. So what they're doing is, well, I guess we're going to hell, uh, and killing all the demons there because that's our only source of blood that we have left. And it's a very, very fast-paced, uh, like, arena shooter in a way. You go from room to room and it locks up and spawns a bunch of enemies. And the only way to refill your health is to get really up close and personal with the enemies and shoot them so their blood rains on you and it refills your health. And it's a ton of fun. Nice. Uh, that sounds fun. I, Where can you get it? Uh, you can get both of those on Steam. They're like 15 bucks or something. They're all from the same publisher, which I can definitely recommend if you are into retro FPS games. Let me look it up real quick so I don't mess anything up. Uh, they're called uh, New Blood. And they make a ton of these retro FPS games, and they're all really good. It just depends on what kind of flavor you want, I guess. Nice. Uh, and yeah, awesome. I've been thinking about streaming those, but I feel like I need to get back into the groove a little bit more because right now I'm playing a medieval and normal skill and it feels a little too easy but I, I don't know if I want to show that off yet <laughs> hmm. well everybody uh, follow Herfy Durfy and then when he goes live you'll get that notification we can all come in and hang out uh, I wanted to shout out I was listening to a podcast uh, I've mentioned a few times on this show before earlier this uh, week or last week I should say called The Besties. It is for friends. Uh, they all used to be in the gaming industry. Now only two of them are, and the other two are podcast professionals. But they uh, usually talk about new games. At the end of the year, they do like a Game of the Year uh, two-part episode that's super long. Uh, I, I guess it's kind of slow in the game industry right now. They, they took two episodes to figure out the best Zelda game of all time in a bracket uh, style. And spoiler alert, According to them, best Zelda game of all time, A Link to the Past. Um, so they, you know, spent two episodes really talking about, you know, the merits of each of the games and what makes them so great. And, uh, you know, obviously, since Link to the Past was the winner, a lot of the discussion of what makes it such a great game. So if you enjoyed, you know, like our love letter to ALTTPR episode, for instance, I would highly recommend listening to the last couple episodes of The Besties because they do a lot of that, you know, picking apart why it's so great, which I, I really love hearing that kind of conversation. And um, the randomizer community even gets a quick uh, positive shout out from uh, Griffin McElroy, who I think he says something like, uh, I just have to give a shout out to the randomizer community because they let me play a seed where I didn't have any swords and also I was Guy Fieri. Um, so that was his like <laughs> randomizer shout out. And I was like, yeah, yeah can't, uh, can't argue with that. That's some introduction to randomizer, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I just, I really enjoyed those listens and I wanted to shout it out. Uh, definitely of interest to randomizer fans, um, the conversation they had there. So go ahead and check it out. It's a great podcast. 
Um, speaking of podcasts, I did want to uh, give a huge thank you to Bright Eyed Seventy Seven, who uh, left us a new review on iTunes. Uh, so we were at 49 and we got this review and we're still at 49. So either, I don't know, maybe someone changed their review or something. I don't know. So I guess the the, the big 5-0 is still out there if somebody wants it. Um, but Breadhead 77 said, love the podcast. Dante Timp and the Herfmeister giving the latest community updates and talking about the present, past, and future of ALTTP. A must listen if you are a fan of the game. It makes me feel like I'm part of the community, even though I don't use Discord all that much. And I absolutely love that. I that is kind of one of the things we really want to do is make sure that you know we're updating everyone in the community on things that are going on, so that even if you're not like trawling through Discord all day every day like the three of us do, uh, you're still you're still getting the info. So, uh, Brightad77, thank you so much for the review. And if you would like to leave us a review, there's apparently still an opportunity to be fifty. So uh, <laughs> we would love to uh, hear from you on there. That would be um, would that be fifty the second or fifty two. 50 prime or 50, like 50 uh, data as well. or something. Yeah. 50, 50 yeah, dot 50 two. also. Sure. Call it whatever you want. All right. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, I think that is going to do it for us. Um, oh, we also have a PayPal donation link if you want to use that. Uh, okay. So that is going to do it. Um, I think that is all I have to say at this time. No further, no further yeah, words, see, it's, Your Honor. It's, uh, it's a shorter episode and it's because of me. Like you can blame me <laughs> that we gave you too much last time as far as just quantity, not quality, but quantity, and uh, now now we're just it's 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 an episode. We're here. Yeah, yeah. A balance in all things, perfectly balanced as all things should be. Right, Dante. All right, Thanos. <laughs> I didn't say it all this right, time. guys. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Uh, let's go ahead and mirror out. <laughs> <laughs>